Hello, welcome to a Cycle Systems online podcast. So John Galloway, who's at the knobs there, will be very pleased to know that the subtitle of this edition is Don't Be a Jesse. So this is about riding in bad weather, which personally I absolutely love. And I know a lot of people don't, so I'm only joking. If you don't like it, don't do it. It's your life, isn't it? But I would encourage you to maybe try and maybe share some of my stories with you, give you a few hints and tips, because I've been out on a good few club runs with various cycling clubs through the winter. People rocked up, fair play to them, um, but completely incorrectly dressed and unready for the weather and had appalling times, whereas I've been absolutely happy as, as Larry. And it's something I've noticed with kids cycling as well. When my son was little and, you know, going to cycling clubs and the kids were often way, way under prepared. And I've seen kids crying and such, dad, I can't feel my toes. And he'd be like, get back out there. And I'm not encouraging that sort of macho nonsense, but I do encourage you to embrace cycling as a year round activity. Now I'm saying that obviously um, with a caveat, I now live in Switzerland and sometimes here when it's snowing, they've not cleared the snow yet. You can't ride your bike particularly safely, you know, even big fat bikes and such or bikes with spike tires. So so spike tires is the best, you know, for ice, but when the snow is falling, it can get pretty slippery. So I completely understand I've got my cross-country skis and we're going to do a different podcast about cross-training. So I do get it, guys. And some of you live in areas where your winters are far worse than Switzerland or maybe the authorities aren't quite as good at clearing the roads at Switzerland because they are kind of wizards here. But essentially, for most weather, for most of us, you can still ride a bike. And I'm definitely one of the old-fashioned people who sees these computer game controllers for bikes, and I'm like, what is that, you know? Partly because I really generally dislike computer games as well, you know, and the whole world, you know, that that encapsulates of people just disappearing into the online world. I really like to interact with people, interact with nature, and get out there and use my body completely and for me that experience of being out on the bike is far more than the Strava file or even the fitness games I mean I'm 48 I've had some health issues I'm never going to be the fastest rider out there and that's fine it's absolutely fine but maybe I'm one of the toughest because I do ride all through the winter and a lot of people don't I was watching GCN recently and that it was April. I was re-watching one of the spring classics, actually, and um, you know what? It's uh, June, and I couldn't remember who'd won Roubaix. I watched it again. It's exciting. I couldn't remember who'd won. And um, one of the presenters said, oh, well, it's bad weather. You know, it's swift weather here. And I was absolutely taken aback. A bit of rain, a bit of wind, and you're on zift. I was like, Jesse, you know, get out there and ride your bike, especially if you're going to compete. You know, if you're going to race or, you know, do sportive or whatever level of competing you're going to do, do you think it's going to be perfect weather every time? It isn't. I mean, look at pro riding. One of the joys of it is to see people rising to the occasion in all sorts of weathers. 
And of course, they've got the extreme weather protocol now. We don't want people hurting themselves. I don't want you to hurt yourself, you know. Um, I guess the flip side for me is I don't like riding when it's really, really hot and some people are fine with it. So I get it, guys. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But I'd encourage you to try it because you just might love it. So let's go head to toe for clothing and then let's just get into the experience and throwing yourself into bad weather riding, which is what we're heading into in the Northern Hemisphere. So with your feet then, waterproof socks have been an absolute game changer. These days you can get waterproof socks that are relatively breathable and you can get various versions like the seal skins now have ones that come right up to below your knees so it really reduces the amount of water running down your leg inside the waterproof sock which is what would happen when they first came out. So waterproof socks, I'm wearing them all through the winter often or on many many of the bad days they often tend to be quite thick as well when it's really cold and i'm talking minus and below minus the old school trick still works one pair of socks wrap tin foil around the that outside of the sock and then put your outer sock on these days a waterproof sock over the top works absolutely brilliantly in the old days, you'd put some cling film around the outside of that. <laughs> but that would, you know, that really is the sweaty bag method, whereas with breathable waterproof materials, you don't need to do that now. You've then got your cycling shoe and you've then got your overshoes. So we've got neoprene overshoes, which obviously aren't waterproof, but they use the water they retain to create insulation. And in fact, when it's got down to like minus five and such mountain biking in the Peak District, I've had the double socks with tinfoil, uh, neoprene overshoes, and then the waterproof overshoes on over the top. And I've been good for a good four or five hours out on the mountain bike, just out exploring and riding, not doing all the crazy stuff people do now on mountain bikes, but just riding around the dark peak having fun on the trails and canal towpaths. So that's your feet sorted. And of course, if you've got the money, you can invest in all sorts of amazing boots now. So 45 degrees north do these very desirable, big, heavy boots, which go down to, I think, minus 25 or something for the Adita bike riders. If it's cold enough where you are, you've got the money where you are, they're going to replace all of that nonsense that i've just talked about so pays your money takes your choice there but even here in switzerland um i haven't decided to invest in those just yet so moving up the body then people often really neglect the legs so they put on some sort of okay you know winter bib tights as it were but with no thought of waterproofness so i remember rocking up at a training ride for the wonderful hot chili london to paris hello spain that was an amazing event i did in 2010 and there was these once a month training rides we do around surrey through the winter getting ready for that in spring and then one day um russ downing joined us which was awesome to meet one of my cycling heroes and essentially everyone rocked up in lycra with a thin rain jacket and i had my full-on commuting 
Endura waterproof trousers, you know, the MT500 trousers or whatever they were back then. Um, nice, thick, waterproof coat. And I remember Sven Thiel, the organiser, said to me, you, you come in on a moped, Sean, are you going to motor post us? And it may have looked like that, but we rode all day in the rain. And I was just great. You know, the Endura waterproof stuff especially was wonderfully uh, breathable. And I remember getting to the cafe and Isha stripped them off and everything's dry underneath and I'm not sweaty. And the amount of moaning and complaining there was on that day for people who were freezing and wet and cold because they were just in slightly thick lycra with, you know, not particularly good waterproof over the top. So definitely don't be afraid to throw on the commuter type waterproofs when you're training in the winter. There was a time when companies, including Endura, were doing these fantastic soft-shell waterproof jackets. And also, I remember I had some Endura Stealth, it was called, waterproof bib tights. And they were awesome. They were good down to about minus five. Again, they're waterproof, they were warm. You could put other layers over the top if you wanted to, some mountain bike baggies and such. And they were absolutely golden. And you know what? I should have bought two pairs because they lasted about 10 years, which is pretty amazing, winter use. But by the time they'd worn out, Endura had stopped making them. And I'm convinced it's because they wanted to sell you layers because this one layer just worked, basically. Stealth top and bottoms just worked. But just look for this equipment that's really designed to keep you warm, to keep you dry. I've been using this system the last few years from Castelli. Definitely wasn't the cheapest system, but it was the, um, they're called Het Volk or Het Newsblood um, waterproof bib tights, some waterproof arm warmers and leg warmers. And then they had a set of three-quarter waterproof trousers that go over the top. Um, it's a really, really good system, a good layering system. It's a good waterproof system. And there's a matching jacket for that as well very silver color very very good quality waterproof system so i found layering with that often with a gabber on underneath the jacket allowed me to regulate you know as well so i could take the outer layer off and i've still got the waterproof gabber with the waterproof arm warmers on underneath so speaking of the gabber uh the ubiquitous waterproof jersey that now everyone has a version of it's definitely definitely worth having some sort of version of that for the winter so a thick water resistant waterproof jersey it's never going to stand up to hours in a harsh downpour but for the colder wetter rides i wouldn't be without my gabba absolutely love it and seems to be pretty tough material as well because it is essentially thicker material so Again, with gloves, people will often go too light on the gloves. And for years and years, I've just used waterproof ski gloves once I'm riding through the winter, uh, sometimes with a liner as well. So again, don't be shy to really layer up on the gloves. You don't always have to look sleek on a bike. Sometimes it's about getting that thick stuff on. If you do walking, skiing, you know, any other sports, any other activities that require warm, dry clothes, they're pretty much going to work on the bike as well. Some sort of waterproof um, skull cap, you know, or beanie, 
that goes underneath your helmet is massive as well because you really don't want to get cold ears. And of course, some sort of buff, some sort of tube that could go around your neck and be pulled up over the face. So you've got a complete system of keeping warm and dry. So if you're doing that correctly, there should be no reason not to get out there and enjoy the riding. And if you haven't tried it, I completely understand. You look out the window and you're like, oh, not sure I want to get out in this. As long as your bike's going to be okay for it. Don't take out your best summer bike. And we've got a different podcast about that this month. But as long as your bike's ready for winter as well, with its gator skin tires or its tubeless tires, etc., and you're ready to go, your mud guards, old steel bike, 105, etc. Essentially, what you want to be doing is just throwing yourself into it because it doesn't take long on the ride um, to warm up. And certainly one good bit of advice I got very young, way back in Marple Wheelers, um, was in the winter, don't dress for the first mile. If you dress for the, if you're warm enough on that first mile, then you're going to overheat as soon as you hit the first hill or as soon as you just speed up, basically. So you want to dress for the second mile, for the fifth mile, the 10 mile. But essentially, you want to make sure that you're waterproof enough that you don't just get sodden and then start getting colder later, because that can happen too. But I found the more I rode in bad weather, the more I really, really loved it. And growing up in Manchester, where, of course, pretty much every road, every street is always going to be um, have street lights on and you know, it's the same sort of experience any time of year. Living in Devon and commuting to Cycle Systems Academy in Devon was completely different because I was riding through these tiny little lanes, which were only tarmacked in the 50s. And, you know, it's maybe only an approximation of tarmacking at best. So it's kind of like the Tour of Flanders every day, riding to work. It's how it kind of felt, you know, and because you get the wind off the sea there as well so riding often in the morning and definitely after work in the winter it'd be dark the wind would be lashing across it it'd be raining it'd be kind of dramatic it's kind of the weather people are like should i drive will it be safe i'd be rubbing my hands together i'd put on my tunes and as you know if you've been with us for a while i like the bone conducting headphones because then i can still hear the tractors the cars etc but I'd get on my tunes and I'd just put on the darkest, scariest music I could find, get out onto the bike and just ride into the pitch blackness with my Hope headlight at the front lighting the way. And it's some of the best experiences I've ever had on a bike. So I know it's not for everyone. Like for me, riding in 30 degree heat is not my favorite thing. I tend to get up really early in the summer to ride. But what I want to say, guys, if you've not tried it, get out there and try it. Dress appropriately, get your bike ready, and leave the Zwift off right in the real world. Don't be a Jesse. See you next week. (laughs) 